The opinions expressed on this show do not necessarily reflect those of the owner, staff, or management of this radio station. It's time for Success Profiles Radio with your host, Brian K. Wright, here on the Rockstar Radio Network. Have you ever wondered if there's more to life than you're currently living? Then Success Profiles Radio is the program for you. Every week, we'll explore different aspects of success and how to apply them to your life. Guests will come from many different backgrounds, including expertise in leadership, business, relationships, careers, networking, health, overcoming adversity, and much more. Every show is a dose of inspiration. This is Success Profiles Radio on the Rockstar Radio Network. And now, here's your host, Brian K. Wright. Hello and welcome to Success Profiles Radio. I'm your host, Brian K. Wright, and it is an absolute pleasure to be with you here today. I'm honored that you chose to spend part of your day with me here, and this is going to be an amazing show. I'll be introducing my guest shortly. I promise this will be a fun and informative hour. It will be terrific. I do want to take a minute or two to share some things I've been learning and thinking about lately, and I will do this every single week. A couple days ago, I had a really amazing conversation with a friend of mine about authenticity. And the thing that struck me the most is that if we really, truly want deep, meaningful relationships in our lives, we must learn to be completely transparent and vulnerable. It isn't always easy. In fact, very often, it isn't. What we find, however, is the other person will respect us more for having shared. Now, I'm talking about sharing from a space of really caring about the other person and not from the space of being a jerk or keeping score or anything remotely related to that, sometimes the best way to truly let go of something is to share it with someone you trust. And if there is something you have been hanging on to, something hurtful, something intensely personal, consider the possibility of telling yourself it's time to be free from that. Be real. Be vulnerable. Be authentic. It may be the most liberating thing you've done in a very long time. With all this in mind, I'd like to introduce my guest. And before I forget, let me give you uh, uh, the call number in case you'd like to call in and participate in today's discussion. That number is 866-404-6519. Once again, that's 866-404-6519. And before I forget, uh, my guest this week is Chris Hearn. Let me just tell you a little bit about him. Chris Hearn is the co-founder and CEO of Mercantile Capital Corporation, a nationwide commercial lending firm that specializes in commercial real estate uh, financing for business owners who want to own their own commercial property. Chris has become well-known for his advocacy on behalf of small business owners. As a small business owner who provides financing for other small business owners, he has a unique perspective on the commercial lending industry as well as a deep understanding of what it means to be a small business owner in America today. His passion for his work has propelled his company to great success. A few of the honors and awards Chris and his company have earned include top 25 Twitter small business experts to follow, top 100 small business influence champion, top 20 most influential people in small business lending, Orlando Business Journal Reader's Choice Award for Most Respective Executive in Central Florida and Best Small Company in Central Florida and Top Male 40 Under 40 in Orlando by the Orlando Business Journal. Chris's first book is called The Entrepreneur's Secret of Creating Wealth, How the Smartest Business Owners Build Their Fortune. The book is an Amazon bestseller, cracking the top three in three different sales categories. He's also been featured in 12 other business books and has appeared in numerous publications, including the Wall Street. Street Journal, Street Journal, Newsweek, Newsweek US Today, USA Today, excuse me, Bloomberg, Bloomberg Business Week, and Smart Money, among others. And he's also appeared on Fox Business News seven times to discuss SBA lending and other topics. We will discuss all of this and so much more on today's show. And with all this in mind, here is my guest, Chris Hearn. Chris, are you there? 
Hey, I'm Brian. Thanks for having me. Fantastic. Welcome to the show. And the first thing I do for every guest or with every guest is to ask a very simple question. Tell us about your background. How did you get from where you were to where you are now? And how, how did that journey inform your, your, career, your career? Well, that's a, it's kind of an interesting story. I grew up outside of Peoria, Illinois, in a working class suburb there. Um, started my first business when I was eight years old, which in the Midwest is uh, is cutting grass in the spring and summer, uh, raking leaves in the fall and shoveling snow in the wintertime. And um, from there, I've, I've pretty much been working all throughout uh, high school and, and college, uh, was still very involved in extracurricular activities. Uh, one of these people that like to have a lot of balls juggling up in the air and um, went to uh, the big city of Chicago for my undergraduate uh, bachelor degrees. I actually got two degrees in, in four years. And uh, from there, I went to graduate school in Philadelphia at the University of Pennsylvania. And um, then I ended up in uh, in Washington, D.C., because I actually thought I was going to go on to a career in public policy and, and politics and uh, was was not able to secure a job that uh, I could afford to live on, actually, on the Hill, uh, which is, I, as I refer to in my book, as the last plantation. That's what they refer to uh, Capitol Hill as. And so um, despite having lots of job offers, I decided to go into the private sector and uh, try and sell products and services instead of selling ideas like mm -hmm. I was planning to do in D.C. And uh, I've still been very close to D.C. I mean, I, I lobbied there about six or seven times last year and actually am going there in another month or so. But uh, from there, I went um, worked at a high-tech startup before that was real fashionable to do. And uh, after a couple years of some tremendous success in sales and marketing, I was actually hired away by a recruiter uh, to go work for G Capital and to actually help finance small businesses. And uh, I really enjoyed that. I was there back in the Jack Welsh days, uh, learned a lot about leadership and management. And uh, after a couple years, uh, I, I went to work at a competitor who they promptly turned around and bought. And my uh, my joke at the time was, you know, all they had to do was was uh, get rid of the cap on on earnings, and I would have come back and still, you know, stayed working for them. They didn't have to spend billions of dollars to get me back. But um, from there, I, I became a management consultant for a while and really enjoyed that. But the travel was just brutal. And uh, eventually, I, I had a very uh, prophetic meeting with a friend of mine who encouraged me to get back into small business lending. Uh, and I researched it a little bit and partnered up with um, my, uh, my, my business partner here. And we launched Mercantile Capital about 10 and a half years ago. And uh, purposely, we're trying to do things differently than everybody else in the banking business at the time. And uh, I, I actually attribute a lot of our success to having chosen different paths than a lot of other folks would have. And uh, that, that's where that's what leads us to today. I actually financed about six or seven dozen different franchise concepts over the years all around the country, which uh, led me to starting my own franchise, uh, which we can talk about that as well. And, um, you know, that's that's what I do. So I, I've uh, I've got two main businesses that I lead. And then I also have another business um, that's, a, that's one of the franchise units of my franchise that I, that I run as well. So it uh, keeps me very busy. And uh, right. I finally got the book done, and <laughs> happy to happy that it's getting a lot of success out there. That's great. That's great. So, is is your franchise concept the Kennedy's Barbershop? Yes, it is. You can talk about that a little bit now, if you'd like. Oh, sure, sure. Well, it's it's um, it's something I, I after having financed so many different franchises over the years, I just I really kind of fell in love with the franchise business model and uh, wanted to be my own franchise. And I was looking for either to start or to buy a franchise 
Didn't want to do anything in food, however, um, because even though I've financed so many different food franchises over the years, just a lot of different things involved with food that didn't appeal to me. You know, inventory spoilage and extra health regulations and other things. Um, the other big category of franchising typically is is hospitality, and that didn't really appeal to me all that much. Uh, I guess unless I could move to the Caribbean and live in the penthouse of the hotel, perhaps. But short of that, um, which which we have put down roots here in Orlando, Florida, I don't think that was going to happen. So um, I stumbled across a, a concept which was an upscale men's barbershop and um, became a member myself uh, which I often do I often use the products that I sell and uh, I think it's um, I thought it was it was an underdeveloped concept they actually had a membership component to it which now we have a patent pending on that in the, in this particular men's grooming um, business process but uh, I changed the name um, we we started franchising it we went from uh, four units we bought at the beginning. We now have 13 units in four states. Uh, we went from about 1,000 members in those four units to now we have about 3,300 members. Uh, we've come out with our own products, our own uh, shaving products, We've, uh, you know, and, and we're growing. I mean, I think we're going to probably open another three or four before year end. And uh, mm -hmm. it's, it's pretty exciting. It's, it's something totally different from banking. And, uh, you know, it's just, uh, it's, it's a lot of fun. I, I really enjoy it. And, um, I'm sure we can talk some more about it, Brian. That's, that's great. So it sounds like you've always had an entrepreneurial spirit about you. Am I right? Oh yeah, definitely. Was that part of your upbringing upbringing or were, were your, were your parents, uh, really supportive of this or were they entrepreneurs themselves? Well, it's it's funny. I was raised by a single parent, my mother, and she was a bit entrepreneurial. Um, she actually had her own chocolate business. She was a chocolatier, and she's she's still very well known in uh, downstate Illinois for uh, her chocolate business. It was called Sweet Tooth Limited, and uh, I grew up in the business helping create stuff for her, uh, going to various shows and helping her sell it, and that was probably my first experience at sales, even before I started the lawn maintenance business. Um, but yeah, she was, she was always very supportive. I mean, it was, um, you know, it was, it was the classic example of, you know, we didn't have a lot of money. So if I wanted things, if I wanted the, you know, the cool new Air Jordans or, uh, you know, when I was in high school, if I wanted to join the French club and, and go on the trip to France, I had to pay for that stuff. So I had to work for it. And, um, you know, I was determined and that's what I did. And, and that kind of work ethic has stayed with me to this day. Oh, absolutely. And it seems like a lot of the most successful entrepreneurs had some kind of family influence that encouraged them to to do what you're doing. I think that's fantastic. We are talking with Chris Hearn. He is uh, uh, the author of the book, The Entrepreneur's Secret to Creating Wealth, How the Small Business Owners Build Their Fortune, How the Smartest Small Business Owners Build Their Fortune. We've got just under two minutes left. Uh, before the first break. So Chris, uh, uh, talking about entrepreneur, do you, entrepreneurs, entrepreneurism, excuse me, uh, do you see that there is a, an improving climate for that in this country or, or where do you see that going? Is it easier or, or harder to start a small business now? Well, I think those are, those are two different questions. It is far okay. easier to start a business today than it was even 5, 10, certainly 20 years ago. Some of that is due to the technological uh, environment that we find ourselves in. It's just so much easier to throw up a website to sell your products or services all over the country or all over the world for that matter. Um, you know, it just it, it costs a fraction of what it did a f just a few years ago. So that's on the one hand. On the other hand, I fear sometimes that our culture, um, especially out of this recent recession, normally in a recession, entrepreneurship flourishes. And in this recession, it actually diminished. And it's it was a bit discouraging. And I'm not really sure 
sure what the what the genesis of that is, but uh, again, we we could talk about it after the break. But I, sure, I just sure. think I think it's highly important if we are to maintain our standard of living and oh. to continue the, sort of the human race moving forward. We we have to support innovators and entrepreneurs because those are the people that are doing it. Quite frankly. Absolutely. And we are coming up against our very first break. We're talking with Chris Hearn, who is an entrepreneurial expert, and he has written a book called The Entrepreneur's Secret to Creating Wealth, How the Smartest Small Business Owners Build Their Fortune. We will come right back after the break and discuss the book in more detail, and we will talk about what that secret is. You don't want to miss this. This will be an amazing show. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. is to motivate and inspire others to discover their unique talents and follow their dreams in life. This is Success Profiles Radio, and we'll be back with more right after these on the Rockstar Radio Network. Did you know you can quickly grow your business online and offline for free? SmartGuy.com is one of the fastest-growing business networks in the world. Managing over 600 city business networks from Los Angeles, California to the country of Bahrain. In just a minute or two, you can add your business and be quickly listed in their global business directory, local business networks, and get a free web page that can actually rank on top of major search engines in as little as one to two weeks. No kidding. Simply go to www.smartguy.com. Fill out your company information and you're set. So add your business for free and find out why everyone loves a smart guy. Smartguy.com. Solave, we think a person's voice is the most powerful form of marketing, so that's what we want to invest in. While other companies spend billions on traditional marketing, we reward you for sharing Solave with your connections. We began with a simple idea. A single relationship has the power to make life better for many people. We took this idea and turned it into a company that can make commerce less expensive and even profitable for everyone. We've started with mobile phone service because it's something all of us already use and it's the technology connecting us every day. We put you in charge of what you pay for mobile service. And simply making the switch to Solave is the first step to spending less. $49 a month for unlimited voice, text, and data. But it gets even better. You can earn money just for sharing Solave with others. As your network of connections grows, both through your actions and the actions of each person who joins because of you, you can quickly be paying nothing for your mobile service and even make a profit every month. Visit us online at www.social-commerce-now.com to learn more and join the Solave revolution. Welcome back to Success Profiles Radio. So many people live their lives wanting more than they currently have. And this show will clearly demonstrate the principles, if I can do it, you can do it. So let's get back to the show. This is Success Profiles Radio on the Rockstar Radio Network. And here again is your host, Brian K. Wright. And we are back. This is Success Profiles Radio. My very special guest this week is Chris Hearn, and he has written a book. And so we will go ahead and talk about that right now. So, Chris, you have released a book. It is called The Entrepreneur's Secret to Creating Wealth, How the Smartest Small Business Owners Build Their Fortunes. What prompted you to write this book? 
Well, for me, Brian, it was the culmination of, of years of speaking on the subject matter, of, of being on panels, of uh, just meeting a lot of, uh, of my future clients around the country and, and whatnot. And um, I, I've written a lot for national publications. I've done a lot of radio and TV interviews, but I'd never really written a book. And for me, I thought it was, I thought it was really important for me to sort of put everything together um, bring it all in one place and uh, and continue to try and educate the marketplace about uh, what I think is a really powerful wealth creation secret. Mm. Mm. That sounds great. So by what experience or authority did you uh, feel like you could write a book about this particular topic? Well, um, you know, you, you referred to some of my awards at the beginning of the hour. I mean, right, I've got right. I've got a lot of them, um, you know, and I've certainly uh, I've literally given probably hundreds of of speeches on these things over the years. And this is what I've done uh, for the last ten and a half years, certainly since I started Mercantile. But candidly, I've been in small business finance for about sixteen years now. So, sure, sure. Um, you know, I, I just think it was time. I, I did a lot of due diligence uh, before I started, and and no one had really. Re- I'm still here. I'm sorry. Oh, I, I it cut out on my end a little bit. I, I I hear you now. Oh, okay. All right. No, I was just going to say it's um you know the small business sector of our economy is about fifty percent of the private sector payroll in America. It's a huge, huge component of the economy, and yet no one had really talked about these things directly to them. And so I thought it was important to do that. And and frankly, through some of the uh, the interviews I've had and the publications I've written for, I've kind of become the, the national expert at this anyway. So if I wasn't going to do it, I'm not really sure who would have. Okay. That sounds great. So the name of your company is Mercantile Capital Corporation. What exactly is it specifically that you do and and what is your uh, space in the market? Well, real simply, what we do is we finance commercial real estate only for small business owners and entrepreneurs all over the country. So when they are ready to uh, to make a home for their business and stop renting and, and making their landlord wealthy, then we step in and uh, operate just like a bank would. We actually are now part of a bank. And that's a whole separate story of how we did that. We were originally a non-bank lender. But we only finance commercial property for business owners around the U.S. And uh, we've now closed loans in 40 states as well as the District of Columbia and Puerto Rico for about $1.4 billion in total projects. Mm -hmm. And that's over the last 10 and a half years. And some of these projects are a couple hundred thousand dollars. Some of them are a few million. Um, So you can give you an idea of of how many people we've worked with. It's it's approaching 500 uh, small business borrowers that we've worked with up to this point. That's really fantastic. So how has business been for you during the Great Recession? I would imagine a lot of it was uh, generated during the boom, but what happened during the recession? Did that affect your business very much? Well, you know, interestingly enough, Brian, 2007 was our biggest year up to that point. Um, we had had some really nice organic growth. Actually, we had gotten on the the uh, Inc. 500, 5000 list in 2007 and then proceeded to stay on the list for the next two years. Um, we, we actually sort of pivoted our business a little bit in 2009 and uh, decided that we were really going to plant our flag and continue to grow and, and that this was an important sector of the economy that, that people like us really needed to be there to help out small businesses. And so what turned out was uh, 2010 was a record-setting year for us, 2011 was a record-setting year, 2012 was a record-setting year for us. Um, and we had actually 2012, we were up about 143% over 2011. So we just kept plowing right through it. And, and some of it was because, of course, we didn't have 
the competition we had previously had um, because so many banks had gotten out of the space and, and were dealing with a lot of regulatory restrictions that they didn't previously have. But some of it also was the fact that we just continue to market through the downturn and to continue to solidify our position as, uh, as an expert in this niche. That sounds great. So um, in a business like yours, what, what are some of the best ways to market a, a lending business like this? Is social media a big part of your marketing strategy or is it more traditional uh, magazine ads, newspaper ads or how, how did you go about doing that? Uh, well, we could, we could probably – you and I could probably talk for hours on this. It's an okay. interesting subject. I, I consider myself a bit of a marketer. I probably spend 70, 75 percent of my time on marketing the business. Um, which is really bizarre, I think. It's, in fact, it's perhaps heresy in the, in the banking circles that I find myself sometimes. You don't see that and or hear about that uh, from a CEO of a bank very often. Um, but I think it's really important, and I think it, it goes to what makes us different and what makes us, you know, the entrepreneurial bankers. That's what we've been called a few times. Um, it was part of my design from day one, my vision. I, I wanted to do things differently than everyone else. In the banking world, um, I have this uh, philosophy that if you do what everybody else does in your industry, that there's uh, what we call in statistics a regression to the mean, which means everybody goes back to average and, and mediocrity, and, and that wasn't our desire from day one. So uh, we wanted to be more market-driven, and uh, the fact of the matter is when we started our business – we, uh, we tried to talk to some of our banking brethren to see if they wanted to join forces with us early on. And, and when I told them that we were going to specialize in, in one loan program, uh, they thought I was a little crazy because, of course, every banker out there wants to do 47 different products and services, uh, none of which they're going to do well, which is part of the reason why we had some of the financial uh, crisis that we have or had over the last three or four years. And then when I told them that it happened to be a, a government-supported program, um, that's usually when they you know, went ran, running away laughing at me about this. And so I thought it was um, – you know, I thought we were pretty novel to begin with, which meant we would have to be novel with how we marketed ourselves. So from day one, you know, we had a website. Um, we were very early on into the pay-per-click advertising, um, you know, something that a lot of people in our space didn't get into for, for several years after us. Um, we were capturing contact information from day one so that we could build a database so that we could continue mm -hmm. to communicate and engage with on a regular basis. As social media became uh, a little more uh, interesting and, and business oriented, we jumped into social media. Of course, now we're quite a ways into social media. And uh, again, I start to see a lot of the people that we compete against on a regular basis are only just now dipping their toe in the water of social media. So, uh, you know, there's a lot of things that we've done differently than most of the people we compete against. We've done a lot of offline marketing over the years. We've gotten very good at that. And, uh, and we've built up quite a database. So we do a lot of online marketing and, and um, a lot of electronic marketing and, and whatnot. But uh, we don't do much advertising. And it's kind of um, humorous when we when we have uh, say a new intern come and work for us, and and they uh, one of their ideas is is how come we don't advertise in the local business journal? And among other reasons, uh, is because you know in in this day and age, not that many people are reading stuff. We we've become a nation of of watchers, of viewers. That's why YouTube does so well, as opposed to necessarily readers. And uh, you know when you pay that all that money for an advertisement, you have to hope that somebody's eyes get on that advertisement. I would rather try. And, and figure out a way to attract them to us, uh, which is what, in fact, we do with a lot of our marketing strategies. So we, don't, we do very few outbound calls. We take mostly inbound calls. And uh, obviously the results, uh, you know, the proof is in the pudding, as they say. 
Yeah. yeah. I've had a couple yeah. of guests who have talked about the idea of building their business through public speaking, and you do a lot of speaking. Do you find that you are able to uh, capture some of that contact information while you're speaking or at least build enough of a rapport and credibility with, your, with an audience that you're able to have an ongoing relationship with them going forward after you're done speaking? Absolutely. That's one of the uh, key pieces of what I do anytime I go and give a speech so that I can capture some information from the audience. And uh, make, we have a whole process by which we communicate with them after the fact when they first get introduced into our marketing uh, platform, so to speak. Absolutely. I do that. Uh, I've got offers in the book for people to engage with us. Um, yeah, all sorts of things like that, Brian. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. That's great. So let me ask you this. You've uh, been featured in a lot of publications and you've been on Fox Business News. How did some of those opportunities come to you? Because that my antennas went up when I started reading that and I saw you know, on your website you've got some videos of your appearances on Fox Business News. How did that come to you? Well, um, I've, I've been on, as you said, I've been on Fox seven times. I've been on PBS once. Um, I've, been on, I've done some regional television as well. Uh, some of it has come through um, I have a PR firm that, that helps me out with some of this stuff. Um, some of it's come from, frankly, becoming an author and, uh, and the platform through which you can springboard. Um, once you become an author and you become clearly identified as a subject matter expert, which clearly I have been, um, right. you'd be surprised how many people defer to you and, and are interested in, in bringing you on. And of course, you know you've got to you've got to pitch them in the right way um, to try and make it uh, resonate with their audience. But but we've certainly done that. And so um, you know that was one of the other reasons why I wrote the book was was I thought that it would be a way to get us additional publicity. And uh, sure enough, that's it's exactly worked like that. I mean. A, a book, what a lot of people don't realize is in our culture, people defer automatically to authors and to speakers. Right or wrong, they just they just defer to them. And um, so it's very powerful if you can do that. And and frankly, I think a book yeah, is yeah. becoming the modern day equivalent of what I call a nuclear business card. I mean, a business card's nice, but if you can hand somebody your book, that's a whole nother level, you know? Yeah, I, I love what you just said. A book really is a nuclear business card. And I went to a, a marketing seminar in L.A. last fall. Craig Doeswald has a rock star entrepreneurial conference, and he uh, talks about using your book as a business card. He gives copies of his book away to people and yeah. instead of business cards because you, if you buy enough books from your publisher or from your printing source, you are going to get an extremely, extremely attractive bulk rate. So it doesn't become – as massive of an expense as some people listening out there might think that it is. So that's really cool. We've got less than a minute to our next break. We are talking with Chris Hearn. He is the author of the book, The Entrepreneur's Secret to, Build, to Creating Wealth, How the Smartest Small Business Owners Build Their Fortunes. We talked about how he started a company, Mercantile Capital Corporation. We talked about the lending industry and how he did during the Great Recession and before the Great Recession. And uh, perhaps just as importantly, if not more, we talked about ways that he has marketed his business. And for those of you out there that are business owners or are thinking about starting a business, you have to think of all the different ways that you can leverage your assets, your resources, your contacts, and just start putting your name out there, whether it's through social media, whether it's through public speaking, whether it's through writing a book. It is what Chris calls a nuclear business card. We'll come right back after the break. This is Success Profiles Radio. Please stay with us. Don't go away.
is to motivate and inspire others to discover their unique talents and follow their dreams in life. This is Success Profiles Radio, and we'll be back with more right after these on the Rockstar Radio Network. Energy Saving Solutions' innovative double green plan enables you to switch to energy-efficient LEDs and other modern lighting with no upfront cost. Modern LEDs are far more efficient than other types of lighting, but for many businesses, schools, and nonprofit organizations, the reason for sticking with the old inefficient lighting is the cost of replacing them. While an old-fashioned incandescent bulb may cost a dollar, LED costs $30 or more. And that's why Energy Saving Solutions has designed our Double Green plan. Double Green allows you to convert to LEDs with no out-of-pocket cost. We'll pay for your new lights, and you'll pay us back with a percentage of your savings. From the very first day that your new LEDs are lighting your life, you'll realize a positive cash flow, and you'll be doing something positive for our environment. For a free cost and energy savings analysis, call Joshua May at 888-620-8133 extension 7082 or visit us online at www.energysavingindustry.com Are you fascinated by the stories behind the stories? The people behind their masks? The truth about people's failures and redemptions in both their business and personal lives? Then Off the Record Secrets of with host Judy Schreiner is for you. It's people's secrets that make them interesting, but very few folks are willing to reveal them unless they trust that their information will be treated with accuracy, fairness, and respect. People have been entrusting their secrets to longtime business journalist Judy Schreiner for the last 25 years, and now she's bringing her expertise and impressive contact list to Rockstar Radio Network. Tune in and call in as host Judy Schreiner talks to guests off the record as they reveal new secrets each Tuesday at noon Eastern, 11 a.m. Central. Welcome back to Success Profiles Radio. So many people live their lives wanting more than they currently have. And this show will clearly demonstrate the principles, if I can do it, you can do it. So let's get back to the show. This is Success Profiles Radio on the Rockstar Radio Network. And here again is your host, Brian K. Wright. And we are back. This is Success Profiles Radio. My very special guest is Chris Hearn, and he has written an amazing book called The Entrepreneur's Secret to Creating Wealth, How the Smartest Small Business Owners Build Their Fortunes. So, Chris, the idea of creating wealth can seem elusive to a lot of people. What sort of practical things do you cover in the book? Well, the biggest thing I cover, Brian, of course, as, as we've alluded to already, is, is I talk about this idea of having a home for your business, uh, much analogous to how people move out of apartments into homes. It's kind of this you know, American dream that uh, we've heard about for, for decades. And my contention is that that's another American dream, that if once you've decided to become your own boss, which is the first step to become an entrepreneur, then shortly thereafter, a few years into the business cycle, it makes perfect sense to buy the home for your business and to stop paying rent to your landlord, which is only making your landlord wealthy, and actually to start building equity and appreciable asset, which is commercial property. Uh, It's not going to be for everybody, of course. And uh, it certainly isn't something you want to do right out of the gate if you're starting up, although there's a few, particularly franchises, that if you're starting out of the gate, it makes sense. But in general, it's uh, it's a great strategy and it's a phenomenal strategy right now, Brian, because we're living in these unique times where commercial property is literally on sale. 
at the same time, we have interest rates at historic lows. And so right now, most small business owners are able to own less than they can continue leasing for, which is really phenomenal. Yeah, that that is great, and that's one reason why uh, uh, a lot of people buy houses instead of just rent, uh, because it is less expensive. Uh, even now, it still can be very much less expensive. So we are talking about buying and com- uh, and investing in commercial real estate to put your business in. Is that right? That that's correct. I mean, there's other parts of my sort of my business philosophy that come out in the book, but quite frankly, Brian, I'm actually started book number two, and I'm going to cover a lot of that stuff in book number two. But this one's mostly on what I call the best kept secret in, in uh, commercial real estate financing, and in fact, buying your commercial property anyway, and then getting the best financing for it. That's awesome. So why is it difficult, but even important still uh, for business owners to think about creating wealth beyond the day-to-day operations of their business because a lot of people are stuck working uh, in their business instead of working on their business. Oh, you're absolutely right. And, And not only that, but everybody seems to get fixated on income as opposed to equity. I mean, income's nice, and, and hopefully mm-hmm. you will live a comfortable life working for yourself and starting your own business. And, and as you grow, you're going to have to you know, hire a team, uh, which otherwise known as, as employees and implementers, and they'll help to make your life even more comfortable and, and, and make nice income. But at the end of the day, most small businesses in America, their exit strategy is either going to be to shut down their business or to sell it. Very, very few ever go public. And so if that's your exit strategy, somewhere along the line, if you can just tweak something really small like your facility expense, actually end up paying it to yourself as opposed to continuing to pay it to your landlord, it allows you to build another asset, which frankly in in many cases is worth more at the end than the small businesses. And uh, I've looked at recent statistics that show 60% of small businesses in America have actually not saved a dime for their retirement. And this is a really easy strategy to do it. It's uh, it's much yeah. like the forced savings plan of, of owning a house. Yes, exactly. So give us some hints on on this secret. Well, I mean, I, I go through my the book has been called by many people sort of a blueprint on how to do this from A to Z. So I cover things in the book like um, what to look for in commercial property. You know, um, I'm a big advocate of buying a little bit more than you need, particularly if your business has been growing. Uh, what I what I suggest to do with that additional space is actually to sublet it out to another tenant. Perhaps I have a, I have a story in the book. I talk about a financial planner who uh, bought his office condo and leased out about 30% to two tenants, which actually completely covered his commercial mortgage. And to this day, this is a financial planner who advises high net worth individuals. He tells me this is the the best financial strategy he's ever come across to use it himself. And he tells all his clients to do it as well. So I thought that's very gratifying. So we cover some of that stuff. I also talk about once you've made this decision sort of intellectually, you need to put around you a really solid team. That really does not mean your cousin or your brother-in-law who flips condos, residential condos down at the beach. They're probably not the best person to find a commercial property for you. You need to try and deal with specialists, try and deal with experts. And so I'm a big, big advocate for that. I actually give eight questions that you need to ask every commercial real estate broker or agent to determine if they're the one for you, the right fit for you. I also cover how to choose a commercial lender because over 90% of all commercial properties actually finance is not paid for in cash. And so I cover that. Then in another chapter, I go through all the different 
commercial loan options that are available out there for commercial real estate. I cover the pros and cons of each one. I talk about the one that I consider the best kept secret uh, and give you all the pros and cons of that. And I have a chapter on the myths and misperceptions that are out there about small business finance. So there's a lot to it. Uh, there's a lot of things in the book. And, mm-hmm. uh, and, and really, what I think is important here, Brian, is to understand that this is probably going to be the largest purchase in a small business owner's life. So it's not something that they should just do on a whim. I mean, it's something that they really do. If they can get a roadmap, like my book is, uh, it's it's going to help them uh, have less heartache, less headache, and, and really make the process delightful, which it can be, believe it or not. A lot of people under their misperception that it's got to be this arduous thing. It doesn't have to be that way. It can be, it can be a lot of fun and, and very exciting. Okay, great. So you mentioned a little bit ago that if someone is just starting out their business, it probably is not the best idea to buy right away. So let me ask you, and of course the answer is going to vary depending on what the business is and, and what they're planning, but do you advise people as to when it might be the most appropriate to start thinking about doing this in their business cycle? Absolutely. I mean, I've had enough people that have seen me on TV or read a publication that I'm in, and they get so excited. They're at the idea stage in a garage, and and they want to buy their property. And I often say, you know, turn away perfectly reasonable business because I think it's important that they prove their concept, that they establish themselves in the marketplace first, and that means using their precious capital wisely for those purposes long before they buy commercial property, which is a non-income producing asset. So yeah, I think I think in in general, I would say it's usually by about year three or four, maybe year five uh, from the time you start your business that this becomes a reality or should become a reality for you. Um, any sooner than that and you're probably, um, you know, it's, it's going to be tough um, yeah. because because you just haven't quite uh, gotten there yet. And so, yeah, um, yeah. yeah so that's, that's, that's my recommendation for folks. Now, now, as I alluded to earlier, there's some franchise situations where real estate is an integral part of the franchise, and you actually mm-hmm. have to start with that. And in those situations, obviously, it makes sense from the beginning. But, but for your typical brick-and-mortar business, it's, it's cheaper, and it gives you more flexibility to lease uh, in the early days. And uh, you don't know what kind of square footage you're going to need down the road. So if you're in that high growth mode, having just started up, I think it does make more sense to lease at the beginning. But eventually, you're going to want to pay yourself that rent instead of somebody else. Yeah, that's true. What if the business concept you have is an income generating business uh, given the space you're about to use? For example, let's say that you want to start a business of – office suites where you help other businesses kind of incubate and get going and you will be collecting rent from them. Uh, Does the answer change or do you still recommend leasing the big space first and renting it out to the smaller businesses versus just buying it straight away? Um, You know, Brian, I mean, there are certainly, it's, everything's a case by case basis. I'd have to know a little bit more about it. Um, my inclination is I still think I'd probably want to lease that space initially, maybe yeah, have yeah. in my lease an option to purchase it after 12 months, 18 months, 24 months, something like that. Um, but you know, you don't want to buy something 
if you can't fill it up. In the case yeah, of yeah. a uh, you know executive suite type of situation, I mean, you know, you could be sitting on a lot of vacant office space, and that's not good. I mean, that's that mm-hmm. could be a, that could be the road to the poorhouse. I mean, you, I really think entrepreneurs need to focus on doing whatever it is that they do best. You know, if it's yeah, making yeah. widgets, if it's seeing patients, whatever it is, flipping burgers, it doesn't matter. They have mm-hmm. to focus on that in their early days. This is this is more of an advanced strategy. And, um, and, and frankly, I've had many situations, Brian, where people come to me and they've been leasing for eight or nine or 10 years and they've literally wasted tens of thousands, if not hundreds of thousands of dollars. Um, we can always fix it going forward, but you know, you don't want to get yourself in that situation where you've waited so long, but in the early days, yeah, I think, I think you got to focus on whatever it is that you specialize in. You, you gotta, you gotta prove that concept to the marketplace. That's a great idea. You mentioned earlier, uh, buy more space than you think you're going to need in anticipation of growing into it, but in the meantime, renting the extra space out to somebody else to help cover the mortgage. I think that is brilliant, and you talk about that in your book. Yep. Yep. I sure do. Absolutely. And I've seen, I've had many, many customers do that. I've also, interestingly enough, I've had a lot of past clients come back to us to buy building number two, number three, number four. I I haven't had anybody go beyond building four just yet. I think that's the maximum. But um, that's a testament to this kind of the financing that we specialize in, which allows them to keep more of their capital, allows them to pay less on a monthly basis and to grow faster. And I think that's key. If that's if that's your interest, if you're an empire builder, so to speak, then uh, this is one way to do it, too. Right. Right. We've got less than two minutes to the next break. So here's a question I want to ask. In real estate, a lot of people talk about location, location, location. It probably applies more to residential than commercial. Uh, Do you see location as being an equal concept in commercial real estate or does it really depend on the kind of business that it is? I think it depends on the business. I mean, obviously, you always want to try and have a more ideally situated location if you can. But in general, especially in the world we live in today, Brian, there's plenty of businesses that, uh, you know, maybe they're manufacturers or distributors and they're shipping stuff all over the world. Maybe they don't see too many clients that actually come to their premises. It may not be that important to be right on Maine and Maine. Now, on the other hand, the opposite could be true as well. I mean, you could be an attorney, a litigator, and it's really important for you to be across the street from the courthouse and unfortunately, you know, a lot of courthouses are in downtown settings. Maybe yes, you're not yes. able to uh, to buy the office space that you're in, or you know, maybe they haven't condominiumized that office building. And in those cases, you may have to continue leasing because it's so critical that you're across the street from the courthouse. So it does really depend on the situation. Um, but I think there's a lot of situations where a small business owner could can buy you know, a little off the beaten path and be perfectly content with it, getting a great price and really having a wonderful asset that's going to appreciate in value over the years. That sounds fantastic. And we are coming up against our final break. I cannot believe how fast this show is going. I know I say that every single week, but gosh darn it, it's true. We are on the air with Chris Hearn this week. This is Success Profiles Radio. We will be right back and we will continue discussing this very important topic right after the break. is to motivate and inspire others to discover their unique talents and follow their dreams in life. This is Success Profiles Radio, and we'll be back with more right after these on the Rockstar Radio Network. 
Looking for the perfect destination in Costa Rica, Panama, or Thailand? Concerned about the economy and looking for an escape plan? Then you need to go to escapeartist.com and learn how you can live, work, invest, retire, or do business overseas. Escape Artist has the perfect plan for you. Join our 400,000 readers and get your free subscription to Escape from America magazine. Visit www.escapefromamerica.com and create your escape plan right now. In today's business world, you have to be LinkedIn. LinkedIn, it's a great tool. And Carol McManus is the LinkedIn lady. Join us for the LinkedIn Lady Show every weekday afternoon at 3 p.m. Central on the Rockstar Radio Network. Carol is here to show you and your business how every social media site has a specific demographic, personality, and purpose that can benefit you. In each show, the LinkedIn Lady will have a variety of guests, such as business owners who will showcase their businesses and talk about how they're using social media to stay in touch with not only customers, but to attract new relationships that become customers. Other guests will be experts in social media who will speak to the use of Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, Google, Plaxo, Squidoo, and, of course, LinkedIn. For more on Carol and the show, check out her website, LinkedInLady.com. Join us for the LinkedIn Lady Show with your host, Carol McManus, every weekday afternoon at 3 p.m. Central on the Rockstar Radio Network. Welcome back to Success Profiles Radio. So many people live their lives wanting more than they currently have. And this show will clearly demonstrate the principles, if I can do it, you can do it. So let's get back to the show. This is Success Profiles Radio on the Rockstar Radio Network. And here again is your host, Brian K. Wright. And we are back. This is Success Profiles Radio. My very, very special guest this week is Chris Hearn. And his book is called The Entrepreneur's Secret to Creating Wealth, How the Smartest Small Business Owners Build Their Fortunes. And we are talking about buying and investing in commercial real estate and the creative financing that can go along with helping you to buy a building when it is right for you. So let me ask you this, Chris. Your company's tagline reads, Fulfilling Dreams with Smarter Financing. What exactly do you mean by smarter financing? Well, smarter financing is—it's—it's uh, it's actually a whole chapter in the book, and I've alluded to it already, Brian, which is what yes. I call the the best kept secret in commercial real estate financing. It's a program that we specialize in, that we're the nation's experts at, that uh, typically is half to a third the down payment on commercial property versus ordinary conventional bank financing. Number one, number two. It's a little bit longer term financing. So instead of, say, a 15 or 20 year term, which is very common on commercial property, uh, you're looking at probably a 25 or 30 year term. So what that means to the entrepreneur is you have a little bit lower monthly payments. And so that's a good thing uh, because generally, uh, you know, every entrepreneur I've ever met, Brian, including myself, is trying to stretch every dollar we can. So that's a positive. And then the last piece of this, the big benefit on this is that about half the loan is actually. At below market long-term interest rates. And it's really bringing Wall Street financing to Main Street businesses. And that's the beauty of this program. It actually becomes the least expensive commercial financing vehicle out there for America's small business owners. So you put those three things together and it's just – it's it's a dynamite program. 
there's not that many people out there that know about it. Um, there's there's not that many bankers, frankly, that know about it. And it happens to be the program that I've, as I've said earlier, I did. I've done now 1.4 billion dollars worth of project financing for almost 500 small business owners over the last uh, 10 and a half years. Actually, one of the things we do is we track job creation. So mm-hmm. for every 65 thousand dollars of of this kind of financing that we provide, uh, we we want to see at least one job created. And so based on that metric alone, we've created almost 8,000 jobs in the last 10 and a half years, which for a company of 25 employees and about six part-time employees, I am, I'm ridiculously proud of that. Oh, absolutely. That, that is a phenomenal achievement. I, I love that. I love that very, very much. That's great. So let me ask this. The program that you talk about were 10%, is it 10% that's required instead of 25 most, or 30? Yes. Most of the time is 10% down. Yes. Okay. What if someone Someone out there is thinking, I'd really like to do this, but even 10% is a lot. Let's just take an example. Let's say that you're contemplating a building. It's Let's just use an example of $500,000. Mm-hmm. And so 10% of that is $50,000. Someone out there might be thinking, that that's kind of hard to come up with right now. So my question becomes, are there any other government programs or, or methods uh, that can help raise some of that money or defray or subsidize some of that? Well, yeah. Some sometimes, depending on what municipality you live in, there are there are various grants out there. I mean, I will tell you, one of our clients, um, we closed on a loan last year in uh, Saco, Maine, and it was actually the third indoor soccer facility. Which I, you can imagine in Maine, I suppose you probably need an indoor soccer facility as opposed to yes, outdoor yeah. most of the time. And uh, the I believe it was the county government actually provided a portion of their of their down payment to purchase this property. So there are things like that out there. You got to do your due diligence and look for it. And actually, I talk a little bit about that in the book. The other thing to do, quite frankly, and you're not always going to be able to do it, but it's some if it's if it's something of interest, it doesn't hurt you to ask. But talk to the seller of the property that you're looking at at buying. They may be able to carry some paper for say half of the down payment amount or something like that. You are going to have to put in at least half of the down payment required. Um, just about any regular lender is going to want that because they want you to have some skin in the game. So, yes. um, but I, but I understand the question, the reason behind the question, you know, again, every entrepreneur wants to stretch every dollar they can as far as they can. And so it's always worth looking into some of these other options as well. And, and again, I talk about some of this in the book as well. That's great. That's great. So why would it matter to us whether businesses read this book and learn how to take their business to the next level? Well, when you say us, I'm, I'm assuming you mean sort of the layperson, the U.S. taxpayer, whatever large group, right? Right. Okay. Well, I mean, one of the things that they have shown, um, I, can't, I forget the economist's name, um, very well known from South America, and he's found that uh, as economies – start to value property ownership, it has a stabilizing effect on the economy. People, and, and we all know this, I mean, if you live in a decent neighborhood uh, or you know, a nice apartment building, you know, the moment somebody starts putting graffiti on the walls and breaking windows and everything else, everything goes to pot. But in general, most people try to take good care of their possession and they treat their home as their possession as they rightfully should. And so it has a stabilizing effect. In America, what I'm advocating for here is that small business owners have a home for their business and it also has a stabilizing force 
uh, for our economy in general. But but not only that, it really does create wealth that impacts this generation and can have impact long term. And that, that higher purpose is really what drives me. It's what drives my staff. We get very excited about the fact that somebody can buy that million-dollar property today that maybe you know, 20, 30 years from now is going to be worth five or six million dollars or more, maybe even. And they start, you know, they leave it to their kids. Maybe the kids end up deciding to work in the business because they also know they have this this great asset that they've got as well. Or who knows? I mean, there's just there's just so many possibilities that open up by doing something like this, by looking for prosperity, because that's really what this is about. It's 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 growing prosperity in America, and I think it's uh, I think it's a very positive thing for for all of us. Yeah, absolutely. Do you think that uh, there's anything that the government can do to help small business owners uh, be able to do something like this or to help the economy grow faster and, and, and recover? Because it really, I, I think what sometimes escapes the government is that they really aren't the job creators. It's the small business person. Well, yeah. And and not only that, but sometimes they're uh, the folks in Washington are their own worst enemies. They put all their focus and attention on, uh, you know, too big to fail banks and uh, you know auto companies in Detroit and, and insurance companies on Wall Street and all this other stuff. And yet there was no bailout for Main Street businesses. And I and I find that um, to this day I find that a bit deplorable. But uh, because the reality is most bu- most new jobs in America, uh, well over 65% are created from the small business sector. So it was misguided. Um, I guess the thing I would like to see is is a little more education on the part of those going to Washington or are in Washington. And, and I'm in, I would be indicting both both parties and, and everybody, Wash, you know, Congress, the president, everything. They all seem to have this um, blinder on when it comes to small business. I don't understand it, Brian. Um, Last year, I testified in front of the U.S. Senate uh, Committee on Small Business and Entrepreneurship. I also submitted written testimony to the House Committee on Small Business. Um, You know, I'm I'm trying, but uh, but that's one of the other reasons to read the book, I guess, is because uh, people need to need to help me out and uh, help champion this cause because there's a lot we could do. We could literally spend hours talking about all the things we can do, but it starts with understanding in our culture that it's okay to be an entrepreneur. It's great to be an entrepreneur. They are they are the heroes of our modern society. These are the people that take risks, stick their neck out, work seven days a week, every week. These yeah. are the people that we should be looking up to, uh, perhaps instead of professional athletes and some other folks that um, right. sometimes aren't, aren't worthy of that adoration. Exactly. So where can we buy your book, Chris? Well, the book is at all uh, offline bookstores, um, and if, if for some reason they don't have it, you can always ask them to order it, and they'll get it for you. Uh, you can get it online at Amazon, at Barnes & Noble, at Books A Million, all different places like that. It's in e-reader formats, uh, I think three different e-reader formats. Uh, and then what uh, I have, okay. again, what, what I wanted to start with when I, when I began this was I want to make sure there was sort of a charitable component to this, which yes. um, in my case – what I want to do, because as you can as you can probably sense, I'm I'm pretty passionate about entrepreneurship, and so I wanted to make an offer so that if people bought two or more copies of my book, my hope was they would read one and keep one themselves, and then give another one out, sort of pay it forward. When they did that, and all the details about this are actually written into the book, it's right on the cover, and there's actually a whole page about this. Uh, they have to send me the receipt that they've bought two or more copies, and actually I take the net proceeds to me of their purchase and I actually donate it 
to the Young Entrepreneur Foundation, which is a group that teaches today's high school students how to become the entrepreneurs, the innovators of tomorrow. Uh, I don't know that I'll be around enough to uh, to get any clients out of it, Brian, but at least mm-hmm. I'm going to do my part to try and to try and foster some more entrepreneurship in America. That's right. Really great, and I, I find that books sometimes succeed a lot more when there is a charitable component to it. So I appreciate that you're doing that, especially in, in a pay-it-forward kind of way to advance the cause of small business in this country. That's really amazing. So let me ask: um, We've got just under three minutes left in the show. I do want to ask before I forget: What, uh, who inspires and motivates you? That's the question that I ask everybody. Who inspires and motivates me? Well, I mean. Uh Obviously, I have to. Uh, I think a lot of the my clients inspire me and motivate me. Certainly, my staff, which is which is wonderful. Many of my staff have been with me for six, seven, eight years or more, um, which again is pretty rare in the banking community. Um, right, right. You know, my family is terrific. I have. A, I'm I'm blessed to have a wonderful, supportive wife and and two beautiful kids that are also supportive. Um, but I think um, you know I'm also inspired by the idea that is that is America that that people can come from humble beginnings, have a dream, uh, work their butts off, and uh, and accomplish something that's that's really uh, meaningful, and um, you know and and they can try and pay it forward. I don't like to say give back because I don't think entrepreneurs take anything. I think they are fundamentally creators. They're artists. They create things, and so therefore we pay it forward. And and so uh, I think those are the kinds of things that inspire me. I mean, I could certainly give you a list of business leaders that I like as well and follow. I'm a voracious reader, but um, I, I'm I'm fundamentally inspired by that idea that is that is uh, why we started our country and and uh, the people that are around me and and that I deal with on a daily basis. I get inspiration from a lot of places. That's great. You mentioned reading. A lot of my guests like to read as well. Is there a book or two that you would recommend to our audience that has been particularly influential to you in your career and your business? Well, um, I like uh, I, I list a bunch of them actually in my in my acknowledgments in the book okay. itself. Okay. I right. will I will I will tell you one I really like that does, hasn't gotten as much attention as it probably deserves. It's a book called Small Giants by Bo Burlingham who is uh, the editor-at-large at Inc. Magazine and actually is on the cover of my book. He was one of the early reviewers and endorsers of my book. Um, okay. I, I, think that's a, I think that's a very inspirational book that a lot of people would really enjoy. Um, you know, I, Again, I like a lot of the stuff uh, from um, Seth Godin, uh, Dan Kennedy, I mean, Napoleon Hill, uh, Tony yep. Shea, all sorts of different people. You know, Neil Strauss is a good friend of mine. A lot of, a lot of good stuff out there. That's great. And we are at the end of the show. Thank you, Chris, for joining us. Your book is called, once again, uh, The Entrepreneur's Secret to Creating Wealth, How the Smartest Small Business Owners Build Their Fortunes. You can get that book anywhere. Please join us next week at 6 p.m. Eastern for another uh, episode of Success Profiles Radio. You can connect with me on LinkedIn, on Twitter, at Mr. Brian K. Wright. And you can like my Facebook page, Success Profiles Radio. Please do so. It was a pleasure being with you here today. Thanks for joining me. Have a great week. Take care, everyone. Good night. Thank you for being a part of Success Profiles Radio with your host, Brian K. Wright, here on the Rockstar Radio Network. Each week, we'll 